Hello, and welcome to Bangers, the video game podcast where we talk about games in which you shoot things. Good games, bad games, mad games. This time, our friendship is put to the test as we go back to back and bro it out in Army of Two. talk about some inane shit for a bit yeah yeah i could talk about how weird this is yeah this is a bit weird i'm not used to this this is different from from i'm not used to being you being in the same room as me we don't usually do it whilst looking at each other yeah i usually look at you on a on a screen on the, on the internet <laughs> should we explain where we are yeah okay so w- this is different this week we are in my house sat on the floor that's because we've been playing a co-op game that we didn't want to trust the internet with. Especially as it would require me to do first-time setup on a new PS3. Yes, and also we're not quite sure whether the servers are still active for online co-op. They, in fact, seem to be not still active, so it's probably a good thing that we did this. So yeah, there's a lawnmower going on in the background, my girlfriend's working in the background... So, if there's noise, we apologise, but we thought this was the best way of doing this one. Yeah, it was nice to see you. Yeah, I, I mean, it was okay to see you. Oh. It was okay. <laughs> what are we doing, James? Today, we are talking about Army of Two. Army of Two. Which was developed and published by Electronic Arts for the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3, so the last generation, published we- in 2008. And we played it on the PlayStation 3. I went down to Game and bought it for £1.49. Very cheap. So the total paid for this game has been £1.49 and about £30 on the train ticket. Which is alright. Yeah, pretty okay. Decent for experience. A, for, for British train tickets, that's positively cheap. Now, we did play this on a PlayStation 3. And at this point, you might have twigged that James usually plays everything on the PC (laughs) using his mouse and keyboard. Yeah, that was an experience. Well, it took me a while to get back to having controllers. And I don't know if anyone remembers the PlayStation 3 controller, but it doesn't really have triggers. It kind of has weird, shapeless shoulders. You know, like those men that you see that are kind of, those men and women that just really don't have any differentiation between where their neck ends and where their arms start? Yeah, the ones where you can ask, where is your neck? Yes. That's kind of what a PlayStation 3 DualShock 3 is. Yeah. It's not a good experience. If you are, I mean, I did have the triggers to put on the controllers, the little Logitech triggers, but I thought if we're doing this properly, we need to experience it (laughs) as Sony intended which is with a terribly designed controller. (laughs) Army of Two. What kind of game is this, James? It's a game where you shoot Middle Eastern people. It is is a game in which you shoot people from the Middle East. Uh, It is a third-person action game. It came around in the time, in a post-Gears of War world, where everyone wanted to make the a large man and his friend game 
It's a cover shooter, but it, the, I didn't think the cover was very sticky. Normally in cover shooters, the cover is quite sticky, and that causes me a load of trouble. We might as well get this out of the way now. This game would have worked so much better had we been able to play it on PC. Yeah. Because all the important things are mapped to, like, one button. Yeah. So it's a cover shooter. So to take cover, you press triangle. However, triangle is also vault over cover. (laughs) So you're never quite sure whether you're about to send your big man behind a a waist-high wall or whether you're just going to vault over into death. The same with X. What can you do with X? So X is mapped to pretend to be dead, which is a reasonably important part of surviving. It's mapped to use buttons in the world. It's mapped to drag your buddy. It's mapped to heal your buddy. And it's mapped to a couple of other things. It just gets in the way. Like, the... (laughs) We're getting these criticisms out of the way because we actually, I think we actually did have a lot of fun with this one. Yeah, um, there were at least a couple of situations where the X button caused us to die. Um, normally the situation was one of us was trying to heal the other and instead we pretended to be dead and then the other person died. Yeah, it's also used for your um, like your supercharged powers. Mm. So when you, when you get into the, your berserk bullet hell mode, you press X... And this is the point of the game where you're just firing your gun and you're mowing down hundreds upon hundreds of enemies. However, it's also the same button that you pretend to die using. <laughs> so you can be feeling like a badass and be like, right, I'm going to shoot everyone. You press X and you just flop over dead. Which, uh, which is tied in actually quite nicely into the aggro system, which we'll talk about a bit later. But it it causes trouble interacting with the other system of healing and the over overdrive overkill overdrive overkill, yeah berserk mode yeah so you play as rios and salem and when you start the game you are learning how to be us rangers you're going to be going into the army uh, you're in somalia yeah i believe the game makes quite a big point about it being 1993 and you going into somalia and the crux of the game is that you start off in the army for the first mission and then you are courted by private military, a private military corporation and you become... Clyde. <laughs> you become these kick-ass mercenaries who are unstoppable. Wear skull masks. They wear skull masks. They're basically superheroes. They're muscle-bound freaks. The U.S. Army in this game is painted as just being lumbering idiots who don't know how to do anything. So well, they did hire you, which is like painted as being quite a good decision. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. I, yeah, but it's kind of like you are hired to work at McDonald's, yeah, and then within a week of working there, a Michelin star restaurant snaps you up. Yeah, it is, it is painted a bit like that. Although, given your introduction to the Michelin star restaurant was um, Head Chef Clyde, I'm not sure uh, why you did. Yeah, so there aren't many characters in this game that you need to keep a track of. There's Rios and Salem, those are your player characters. There is Alice Murray, who is like your handler. She gives you all of your missions and does all your mission objective stuff. And then there's Philip Clyde. Who is just a dick the entire time. 
Philip Clyde is a parkour expert. He's a martial artist. He he's a bit of an insane Peggy Sue in a way. Like he can do <laughs> absolutely everything. Well, unlike unlike Peggy, he can do he can actually do anything. Yeah, um, he can do anything, and he's like your immediate antagonist. Like you meet him in Somalia when you're part of the U.S. Rangers, and he's he's a dick to you straight away. He's like, he calls you weak and foolish and then he tries to show you up. But he doesn't help you. He just is there taunting you. He yells parkour, basically. He just, <laughs> he says parkour and then runs up a wall. Yeah. Also, he calls you a fucker, which isn't very nice. And then one of your, uh, one of your characters says, who says that? Which is fair. Who yeah. does call someone a fucker? So... That's the gist of it. The gist of it is army is rubbish. Private military corporations are brilliant. The game takes you through what I can only describe as brown sludgy environments. It is from the middle of the period where video game shooter levels were sort of brownish grey. Yeah, you go from Somalia, which is an orangey brown level then you are immediately whisked off uh, well I say immediately there are, so there's a time jump of 10 years and there is an immediate reaction to 9-11 and the characters go to Afghanistan which is a sort of greyish brown which is a greyish brown area then you're whisked off to Iraq which is yellowish brown yeah kind of looks a bit like Coventry then you go onto a aircraft carrier, an aircraft carrier, which is greyish brown. Then you go to China, which is greenish brown. And then you go to Miami, which is yellowish brown. So all of the browns, different kind of shades of sick <laughs> uh, and poo. Not very nice, really. The game is not a looker, and the look has not aged well. <laughs> It might have looked quite good at the time, but it hasn't aged well compared to basically anything you'll find from the last like four or five years. The crux of Army of Two's gameplay is that you're sent in to do a military task, shoot a lot of brown and Asian people, and then later on some Americans... And then you have to sometimes press some buttons at the same time and shoot down a helicopter. Yeah, there's a lot of helicopter hit in this game. Yeah, they really don't like helicopters. So, you could, I think, is it fair to say the, the most obvious comparison of this game is Gears of War? I think you can compare it quite a lot to Gears of War in how it handles. I actually sort of prefer the not being quite so sticky to cover. That this game does? Yeah, this game has, unlike Gears of War, this game has a lot of co-op moments of yeah. you and your partner doing stuff. Like, there are moments where you're forced to go back to back and spin around each other like a mounted turret. Yeah, you, it, it turns you into a two-man turret, which is quite fun. Yeah, that's fun. There's moments where you have to give your, give your mate a leg up, which range from fine to kind of finically. Yeah, there's a lot of interaction with the other player. Uh, I, we didn't play this in 
Um, we didn't play this in single player mode, so we're not sure how good the AI is. I am going to play that, and I will tell you about how that was right now. It's fine on your own, but kind of boring on your own. Don't play it on your own. <laughs> Thanks, future Matt. <laughs> so, much like a 2005-era MMO, such as World of Warcraft, this game has an aggro system where by attacking or making noise at the enemies, they will pick to target one or other of the characters. And some of the guns generate quite a lot of aggro, uh, like machine guns, rocket launchers, shotguns. And some of the guns generate a bit less, like pistols, anything you've put a silencer on. So a lot of the game involves juggling aggro between the player you're trying to flank with and the player who's quite firmly ensconced in cover. Aggro creates a lot of the tactical decisions that you make throughout the game. And it's a very simple system, but it was effective. Like I think we were constantly back and forth, like, I've got the aggro, you go, yeah. you go. And it was sort of like an E3 stage demo. Like We were actually talking tactics on the fly. There might have been very simple tactics. You know, there wasn't anything... There's nothing groundbreaking in the game. And aggro isn't very complex, but it forces you to take a tactical approach because you're getting hit from all different sides and you need to uh, you need to think about the battlefield and your placement as two people on that battlefield. Yeah, when, we, when the game introduced aggro, I sort of assumed that this was going to be a subsystem we kind of ignored. But we kind of couldn't. You need to you need to pay attention to it, at least in the co-op mode. Yeah, there are certain enemies as well that you have to uh, you have to use aggro on because you can only hit them from the back or when they're uh, unaware of your presence. So when one character has aggro, the other character is fairly unnoticed by the enemies, so they can sneak around and start getting some uh, cheap shots against them. And there are certain enemies where you have to do this. And it it certainly broke up and breaks up the monotony of a third-person cover shooter, which I'm sure we've all played to death by now. Yeah, even even at the time that this came out, you'd probably played more than you'd care to of this genre. Now, the game, for all of what it does well with co-op, the game does force you into some tricky co-op moments and i don't know whether this is because of its um its time 2008 uh its controller but there were certain instances that they were just frustrating these mainly involved things like climbing walls where you have to climb walls but you've also got to shoot things there were also a few where the game starts off where you're being shot at and we immediately broke up and went in different directions and died on our own. Yes. Yeah, the game sometimes has these moments where you need to... It forces you to leg up one of your uh, one of your buddies. And this will always work out this way. It, it is never any different unless it sends you into a cutscene. You give your buddy a leg up and they need to peek above the ledge to shoot the baddies. When the buddy gets on top of the ledge, there'll be two more baddies that come down that they need to deal with. Then they can pull you up. However, if your buddy, who is on top of the ledge, gets killed by those baddies or knocked down, then 
you're at the bottom of the ledge and you can't get up, so you just need to restart the checkpoint. Yeah. Otherwise, you just have to wait for them to bleed out, which seems like a pretty big oversight. Yeah, it only happened to us a couple of times because we were normally able to deal with the enemies. But there were a couple of instances where one of us would die at the top of the ledge. And it, it just seems like something that shouldn't be possible. That yeah. should have been thought out. Or it should have instantly been a game over. Yeah, if if you can't get to each other, if the game works out you can't get to each other, it should have been it. It should have yeah. been Dunzerd. <clears throat> so like basically every game from that period of history, the screen will become red when you get shot. It is filled with a red jam-like substance. Unlike more effective examples of this, the jam is combined with what can only be described as a jam filter. (laughs) Which, jam doesn't go in your eyes. No, jam is delicious and you need to eat your jam in your mouth. Yeah. And it, it just makes it really hard to see anything, which is kind of not very fun and this comes on to the other co-op weird sections that are massively adversely affected by jam yeah so just to just think about this if you're under fire and you're getting hit which you will do you will get hit in this game and that's a good indication that you need to get into cover however the screen becomes so full of jam there's so much jam in your eyes you can't see where cover is and you can't see where the enemies are because everything is brown and also, sometimes the game makes you skydive. Again, in review, James doesn't usually use controllers. He uses a mouse and keyboard. So <laughs> imagine his surprise when he was not only forced to use a controller to manipulate a skydive, but also the PlayStation 3's six-axis movement. Yeah, I I thought that motion controls was a thing of the Wii and uh, I was not ready for this game to require me to use the motion controls on the PS3 controller so but even if even when we turned the motion controls off which didn't work because every time we hit a checkpoint the game would turn them back on so we turned the motion controls off but we're still going to get hit so James still needed to move the parachute so what, what it is is one of the characters is manipulating the parachute, the skydiving thing, and the other player is kind of cuddled up to them and shooting things. So we were moving so erratically because we're on a parachute. And we're dodging bullets. And we're dodging bullets. And the screen is filling up with jam, but I also have to snipe things. It just, it was so infuriating. And it was infuriating because not only were you doing this, but it was actually a reasonably hard section. Yeah, and then when you get down, you do back-to-back. And if you fail back-to-back... You have to do it again. Yeah, the checkpoint is like ages away. Or if you fail immediately after back-to-back as well. Yeah, this was, it was a really... There was a few moments like this throughout the game that were just so infuriating. They needed another checkpoint somewhere in there. They did, and it was clear where those checkpoints could be. Yeah. It didn't need to be this elongated and bullshitty. Rooty tooty, point and shooty. James, do you have the Wikipedia page for all the guns? <laughs> Actually, I don't, because I don't care. Oh. So... This game. You're usually really enthusiastic about Rooty Toot Point and Shooty. Well, yeah, but this game uses modern guns, like oh. that actually exist. 
and I kind of don't give a shit. Is that because all the guns feel like each other? There are basically four-ish weapons. So what are they? There's a assault rifle. There's an assault rifle, which you'll be using almost all the time most of the game. Yes. There's pistols, Pistols. which you will try to avoid to use. There's submachine guns that feel exactly like the assault rifle, but slightly less powerful. Yes. There's shotguns, which feel very like the assault rifles. Yes. But slightly less rangy. Yes. Uh, The sniper rifles, which I didn't use much. They feel like a shotgun, but with the scope on them. Yep. And there's rocket launchers, so five. Um, And the rocket launcher, from what I could tell, felt like a shotgun with an explosion animation. uh, The rocket launcher was you point it at the thing and then the thing is dead. Oh, there's also frag grenades, but um, yeah, they, they weirdly felt like the most limp thing in the game. Everything in the game... We, we have criticised all of the other games for the guns not feeling powerful. I would say everything in this game feels powerful, but they all feel the same. Apart from the guns being pretty... They're just a skin, yes. it felt like. they like. There's a difference between a pistol and an assault rifle, but it's the other guns don't feel differentiated in... A meaningful way. Well, the pistol just felt like a hand shotgun. Yeah. Like, it felt like everything feels meaty and powerful. Sometimes I had to use the pistol because I'd run out of ammo on the assault rifle. You're firing it, and bloody hell, it does feel good. Like, everything feels decent. Apart from the frag grenades, they feel like you're throwing a fart. Yeah. I swapped out of using the pistol basically as early as I can because... I'm bad at controllers, and the submachine gun was much more my speed. I noticed that you did as well. Yeah, uh, that was mainly because it was a P90, and, well, time split, isn't it? Yeah, true. (laughs) So I got on the P90 very, very quickly, because I knew that if I got on the P90, James would be forced to use a different gun, and I wanted to use the P90. I I ended up using the MP5, because that's what I'd do if I wasn't allowed P90s in Counter-Strike. Yeah. (laughs) But the, I suppose, more interesting than what the guns feel like, you get to customise the guns, which is a nice touch. Yes, you get to put different barrels on them, which have slightly different stats. You can suppress them, or you can put a shield on the front of your gun, which we both did. Yeah, the, I suppose the only bad thing is it has this arbitrary locking mechanic where it locks away all the more interesting goodies until the the final mission. And then it's it expects you to play through the game again so that you can use all yeah. the toys. Whereas, I don't know, like... I would have rather that be locked down to, say, ex- an experience level or, or something. Or I know, think you should have been behavior. able to use most of the guns at around the aircraft carrier level. Yeah, because, I mean, otherwise you just kind of stick with... I think we got to a point in the last mission where we were only unlocking the guns and different guns because we wanted to talk about them. Yeah. Which ended up being a bit pointless because they didn't feel meaningfully different. Yeah, but all powerful, I'd say. Yep. So, again, They felt good, but I couldn't tell you the difference between any of them. So this is the first Rooty Tooty Point and Shooty where we are saying all the guns feel pretty decent. Yep. Rooty Tooty Point and Shooty. 
Rios and Salem. So I was Tyson Rios. And I was Elliot Salem. Who? What was Elliot Salem like? Elliot Salem was a bit of a dick, but he's like the dick that you tolerate because he's actually quite fun. Tyson Rios, who's the big intelligent one. He's big and strong and intelligent. Elliot Salem, who's the little gobshite. And is bad with money. It, the game makes a, makes a point of telling you that Elliot Salem is bad with money. So, in many ways, it's us. Yeah. But I was playing you and you were playing me. <laughs> they do have a good relationship. Yeah, which yeah is they, nice. they like each other. Except they do occasionally do like really quite unpleasant violence to each other for no reason. Yes. <laughs> now, when we, when we decided to do this game, I thought... I think we both kind of thought that they were just going to be morons and we were going to make fun of them and we'd be like, ha, 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 you stupid bro men. Yeah. I thought that the best case scenario was that they were going to be the jocks out of an American college movie. Which they kind of are, in a way, but they're very likeable. They are extremely likeable for what game they're in. They're silly. Yep. They, as James said, they do things like in the canned animations of opening opening doors for each other. The loading screen disguise. Yeah. They'll do things like trip each other up or slap each other's heads. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're generally quite silly with each other. And you can, throughout the, we never did this. We did this in the tutorial mission. And but, then we did it once accidentally trying to climb a ledge. Yeah. But you can... <laughs> Like play air guitar with your guns or you can fist bump each other other or hit each other so there's a lot of ways that they interact and i was not expecting to actually kind of like them by the end yeah one of the ongoing subplots is that tyson is he's he's he twigs the conspiracy of the plot quite early yes and Elliot Salem just wants him to shut up about it because he just wants the money because he's bad with money. But Tyson's twigged the plot and this carries on and it's like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. You're into all these conspiracy theories. And then he's right. Yeah, I, I mean, the plot itself is waffer thin. And if you don't guess it from the off, if you don't guess the minute that you see Philip Clyde that he's going to be the antagonist or one of the antagonists, and if you don't guess that it's going to end with, yeah, PMCs are generally pretty bad and there is a big government conspiracy surrounding them. To privatise the military. Which is kind of confusing because the bad guy ends up wanting the military to not be privatised. It ends up being a bit confusing because there's basically three bad guys. There's Clyde, who we've already mentioned, who's he's just a prick. Um, he's sort of the guy that the PMC gets to do all their really shady jobs. Yeah, he's like a super assassin. He's kind of like Corvo, like he can do all this stuff. He's Corvo if Corvo took the time to specifically insult the mother of everyone he met. I have, this is my note on Clyde. Clyde is like a Terminator. He can parkour and murder things like Corver. <laughs> there you go. That's my one and only note on Clyde. The other weird thing about the plot 
is that it's not really ple- present until well after the halfway mark. So the first mission in Somalia, you're just in the army, and you then at the end you get recruited to the PMC. Yep. And then the second mission is in Afghanistan, and it's kind of pretty standard. Terrorists are going to do something nefarious, and you got to stop them. You see the cutscene of Salem waking up and seeing that 9-11 has gone and happened. And immediately Alice calls him and is like, you've got to go to Afghanistan. So, which is... Considering you land in Afghanistan and the first thing that happens is suicide bombers run at you and you've got to take <laughs> them down. It, If it had any more intelligence in its plot, it would be deeply tasteless. Yeah. But because it's so ham-fisted and boneheaded in the way that it approaches its story, you kind of just shrug and go, oh, video game. <laughs> it gets away with a lot because it, it's having fun with this rather than being po-faced American patriotism. Well, I think it is trying to be po-faced American patriotism, but it just doesn't know how to do it well. So you think it's not trying to be funny with it, it's trying to be po-faced American patriotism and failing? I think it is trying to... We have this conversation a lot where we don't really want to play games that are dour and upsetting, and we want to kind of... We want to play games and talk about games that we enjoy and we can sort of recommend and i think this game is trying to be dour and upsetting and depressing but it's never edgy enough or it never delivers or goes further than as far as you would expect it to it doesn't try and do a call of duty or anything it's very silly but that doesn't feel intentional it sort of feels like this is in there because that's what other games were doing, but what yes. this game actually wants to be is an 80s action movie. Yes. <clears throat> oh, is this where we reveal ourselves? Yes. Okay, so... we, In order to prepare for a single sit-through co-op romp, we... What? we thought it would be a good idea to watch loads of buddy cop movies, not only to get ourselves in the mind space, but also to sort of, you know, maybe glance into what was ahead. What were Rios and Salem maybe going to be like? What was their relationship going to be? So what did we watch, James? So we watched Lethal Weapon. Which was good, apart from some problematic uh, stances against homosexuality just casual homophobia out of nowhere and then never brought up again yeah never brought but enjoyable characters aside from that apart from that very very small section in sort of the middle of the film that never comes up again yeah it was pretty good i like that film and what else did we watch we watched stop or my mum will shoot the eight percent on rotten tomatoes sylvester sylvester stallone vehicle which might have been my favourite thing that we watched. Yeah, I, I, it might be the low expectations thing, but we were expecting that to be dreadful, and it ended up just being, like, naff. Stop or my mum will shoot is feels like a direct response to Lethal Weapon, aside from instead of the relationship between Riggs and Mertot, it's a relationship between Sylvester Stallone and his mother, Tootie. Uh, we did name the accounts we played this game on. Um, 
Joey, who's Sylvester Stallone's character in that film, and Tootie. And I was really hoping that that would be like our call signs or something. Yeah, it never came up. No, I was really upset by that. (laughs) And we also watched the 1998 film Rush Hour, which I had really fond memories of. And now I don't. Yeah, (laughs) unfortunate, problematic. Um, It's continuously low-key racist. Yeah. In a way that you don't notice when you're a kid. And I think I used to, I used to find Chris Tucker's character funny when I was a kid because he was loud and squeaky, and now he makes me want to go into a dark room and just lay down because he gives me a headache. Yeah. Of the films we watched, the major tying factor for all those films and Army of Two is not that there are films and stories about two people coming together to fight crime and solve solve things that are that a single man could not do they need to work as a team you know that's it's even on the back of the box of army of two it says when one man is not enough <laughs> and throughout all these films one man was not enough when one man is not enough you need two men but that wasn't the thing that married them all together the thing that married them all together is that in every single one of these films, they say the title of the film. Which they do in this game. This game, they say the title of the game. Yeah, so in Lethal Weapon, it's like a lethal weapon. And in uh, Stop or My Mum Will Shoot, Sylvester Sloan yells, Stop or My Mum Will Shoot! <laughs> and in Rush Hour, uh, the guy who is a general in Star Wars and the new Star Wars films and Leon in Person of Interest he says no problem it's just rush hour and then he shoots them and in Army of Two they say you're like an army, army of, two. of Two so good so that's I think the research was I think it went well yeah. um, I think it impacted our play style we were a lot more together I think one <laughs> of us really should have had a drug problem going into this that we could work through throughout it but uh, yeah Onwards, I say. <sighs> so the Iraq level is mainly completely unnotable, except for one moment in it. Oh, God. <laughs> right at the end. Uh, so you fought your way through sort of brownish-grey Iraq buildings, and you get to the it looks end. Looks a bit like Coventry. It does look a bit like Coventry. Anyway, you get to the end of that level, yeah. and you meet the boss for that level, who is some random Iraqi general. Yeah. And you get introduced to him in a cutscene where it breaks you out of the action, <laughs> and he's got a big machine gun, and he powers up the big machine gun, and goes, and he shouts, Long live Saddam! He does scream, Long live Saddam. Now, it was hilarious the first time when he screamed, Long live Saddam. <laughs> But we failed the the mission, and so we were put back into it. And during the loading screen, for some reason, he screamed again, Long live Saddam, which had us in hysterics. The the game doesn't... It makes up its own terrorists. It has all these made-up terrorists. I think a few of them might be based on real real members of Al-Qaeda and stuff like that. But then, out of nowhere, Long live Saddam. Yeah. Um, I just want to note at this point that the the party that Saddam led was the Bath Party, which is 
spell in a way that doesn't look ridiculous, but is said bath. So maybe this guy was just like, I'm not letting you upset my bath parties with Saddam. Yeah. Saddam throws the best bath parties. Um, should note at this point that the Bath Party was basically a pan-Arabist National Socialist Party and they were not nice. Well, that doesn't sound good. So there's no rubber duckies or anything no. like that. No backwashing. Well, you hear about stories about what went on in his Golden Palace. Well, well less... Less said than that. Less said that. about the Golden yeah. Palace, the better, I say. Yeah. <laughs> Iraq is the last level where you're just doing generic terrorist shooting you kind of rios twigs that something is going on because they save someone so they save this guy and then he's they load him into a chopper and the chopper is immediately shot down and rios twigs like hang on no one would know our position the only people who know our position are (gasps) gasp the company that we work for yeah but Rios Sa- thinks it's a conspiracy. Salem thinks it's a ridiculous conspiracy theory. It makes no sense, really, because Salem is basically saying, why do you care if we eventually get betrayed and murdered as long as we are getting paid to do so? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Hang on. Yeah. He, there's a nice few asides as well with them where Salem shows, he, again, he has money problems. He's bet $10,000 on a um, Dallas Cowboys game which he would like to return home from Iraq to see. Yeah. So, fair play. It must be some high-powered jets that they've got. Yeah. The mission after Iraq is the aircraft carrier. Um, it's notable that you're not fighting Arabic terrorists anymore. You are basically fighting the Viet Cong. Yeah. Yeah, you fight the Viet Cong for a while. Who are the enemy for the next two levels. Um, Clyde is a dick again. Yeah, Clyde turns up. And you have to stop the aircraft carrier from being turned into a nuclear bomb. Yeah, Clyde is like, don't get in my way, we're working together on this mission. And you walk into a room and he's just sat down casually having a chat with a terrorist. Yeah. And then you go to China. Yes, off to China you go. And the first thing you do in China is you blow up a bridge. Yeah, you are supposed to be attacking, I guess he's like a terrorist or something like that. He's he's some kind of um, Southeast Asian terrorist man. Yeah, he's brown or and or Asian, so this game marks him as an antagonist. Yeah. Um, but plot twist. Fair, it's more or less immediately after you get a call from Alice saying, yeah, this, this isn't... It's like, oh, he wasn't a terrorist. He was like some Chinese diplomat or something like no, that. No, he was he was US Senator for Alaska. Oh no. <laughs> what was he doing on that bridge? Yeah. Um and you blew up a uh, Chinese military convoy that was taking him to a uh, some kind of peace summit. Yeah. Can I just can we just talk about that bridge cut scene? So the 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 SUVs, black SUVs approach a bridge. And this Chinese soldier goes up to it and is like, what the fuck do you want? Give me your fucking papers. And then they give him the papers and he's like, open the fucking gate. It's like, there's no need to talk like yeah. that. Like, he could, there's a range of SUVs here. These could be like your superiors. Yeah, could be your boss. Yeah. Generally, it's good to be, even if you're not keen on someone in the workplace, you should be fairly polite. Well, I mean... If we hadn't blown his bridge up, 
I would hope he would be reprimanded for that. Yeah. yeah. But sadly, because we committed an actual act of terrorism, he probably got away with it. Yeah, he probably did. Because the person he did it to got blown up. So yeah, China, meh. There's a vehicle section. Well, this whole bit is a vehicle section. Yeah, they've got... Rios and Salem have got this hovercraft thing, which is used twice in the game. It's used for this China section. It's used for Miami, which is the next level. It handled terribly. <laughs> it handled terribly... You have to shoot people while you're on it, but I'm not convinced you actually do have to shoot them. You yeah. can just run away. One of you drives, one of you shoots. In the Miami level especially, the waves are so kind of choppy that you're just bouncing around all over the place and the physics kind of start to defy... Because you, you're, you're stuck to the water surface, so you never really leave the water surface. So when the waves are bouncing you around, it's like you're glued to some like wibbly-wobbly floor. Yeah. So having escaped China, you do go to Miami, where there's a hurricane going on. Yeah. In this part, though, uh, Clyde comes onto the aeroplane that, you were, uh, that you're using, and for some reason, he's given himself a, a Glasgow smile, a Chelsea smile, the thing that the Joker had. Heath Ledger's the Joker. Yeah. So for whatever reason, he's cut the sides of his cheeks. Why? <laughs> because he's a dick. But... <laughs> He's not shown to be mentally ill. He's shown to be an arsehole. Uh, yeah, he's mutilated his face. Why? <laughs> so we get to Miami. Uh, you were hoping that Miami would have some colour. So Miami, um, if anyone has ever been, it, it, is, it is a bit... Well, it's very run down in places, but there is a lot of like crappy neon and colour and nice vibrancy it's a bit more like Blackpool in a way it's like Blackpool at summer it's a bit cheap, it's a bit tacky but it does have some colour and life now they get around this they get around doing colour and life and I was going to turn to you and say I bet they put us in the airport and wouldn't you know it, the entire level is set in an airport Miami and a corporate airport, tower and a corporate tower. so it gets away with being bland and yeah. orangey, yellowy, brown which is in no way unique to this game. It's just that's how shooters were at this time. Yeah, it's just a bit... It, this mission, again, felt very cobbled together. There's a very annoying part when you get to the airport, where you get to the bagging, like the baggage claim area, and it felt like 10 minutes of enemies spawning in. It's not clear whether you're meant to kill all the enemies or whether there's a button you need to press. Because you can see where the objective marker is. So we just kind of sat there for a bit shooting the enemies, being like, well, are we waiting for something to happen? Have we missed something? Yeah. And throughout this mission, there's a lot of, oh, go to the top of the tower, press a button, go down to the bottom, press another button, go to the middle of the tower. That's a lot of filler. It's uh, filler, no killer. But the gameplay still keeps on being fun. The actual moment-to-moment shooting gameplay is pretty good. Yeah, in this section. Even though we were confused about what we necessarily had to do, we still got to shoot loads of stuff, which is fun. Yeah, and we, we actually ended up having to use some tactics. Yeah, again, very fun. You you kind of get to this... This is the point where everything sort of wraps up. You fight Clyde. You fight Clyde, and it turns out that there's two 
corporate executives who I've got up on my phone. They're called Dalton, who is the bad one. He's the bad one. And Stockwell, who is still bad, but he's less bad. You don't even end up fighting the main villain, do you? You just kill him in a cutscene. Yeah, you kill um, Clyde. He's the last boss. And then Dalton dies in a cutscene. Yeah, and then everything just sort of wraps up in a neat package. You have saved everyone that needed to be saved. You leave the PMC that you were a part of and you create a new PMC, which is called Two. Yep, Trans World Operations. So that sort of sets up the the sequel and it's quite nice. It's nice that these boys have uh, have become their own their own master. Yeah, unlike what I thought going in, I would be willing to play the sequel. Well, that's a good job, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) There was a multiplayer mode. You can't play it anymore. The servers are down. Yeah, we did try. the Using the PS3 for this game was... I am usually a console apologist, but it was fucking annoying. Like... Every five minutes. Oh, do you want to sign into PlayStation Network? Do you want to load your profile for this? Oh, do you want to sign into the EA servers? Well, you can't because the EA servers are down. It was just one thing after another. One stupid DRM menu after another. And why couldn't they patch out those menus about the EA server? Just patch out the option for a versus You've got rid of them. Yeah, you can't play as Unlike local co-op, you can't play the versus mode local. So just patch it out. Yeah. When we started this game, there was a there was a patch from not long ago. So why can't you just patch that option out? Yeah, or say this option doesn't exist when you click on it and not make you search for servers. Yeah, that's very frustrating, but uh yeah, we tried. James, did you like Army of 2? I did. I liked it much more than I was expecting to. Yeah. I had quite a bit of fun with it. Um, should we mention Lime? The game Lime? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, when we were in university, we had this ingenious drinking game that we used to play called Lime. Um, now, the rules are quite complex, so James is going to do his best to bottle them down to... Their, their nuance, their essence. Okay, you have quite a lot to drink, and then you throw a lime at each other really, really hard. Yeah, yeah. Like, really hard, though. Yeah. Yeah, so that was the game of lime. So, the game of lime, I think, needs to be brought up when you're playing a co-op game. Um, because you get quite a lot of enjoyment from doing things with your friends. I don't play multiplayer games. And I don't like when people say to me, Every game is better with your friends because, yeah, but that doesn't make the game itself good. No, it means that it gives you an avenue to hang out with your friends, which is inherently a fun thing to do. Yeah, it just means you like the company of your friends, which, you know, the good thing about doing Army of Two, I think we both sort of felt like this game was going to be a bit shit. Yeah. And so doing this like over a weekend at my house, so we'd have an excuse just to hang out anywhere was sort of like yeah and then we'll play this video game in the background and if it's shit then so what we've seen each other we've drank beer and ate good food 
Watch some films. Yeah, watch some films. Watch shoot. Uh, stop on my mum will shoot. <laughs> Another thing that we were expecting to be quite bad that was actually okay. But again, maybe that's the lime factor. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But I think this game has to be played with a friend. Yeah. I don't think this game works with just one person, which is a different category all into itself. Like, I wouldn't have had fun with this game if you went there playing it with me like side by side because I don't think the game's designed to be a single experience it's designed to have you talking tactics with someone and that's not because the the game's bad that's because the game's actually quite good yeah so I would say that this game would come off quite poorly if you were c- comparing it to a single-player shooter, even one from around this time. Yes. But I think as a, if you're comparing it to other games that are designed to be played with other people, I think it comes off quite well, even compared to like your Vermintides and your Left 4 Deads. Yeah, this game, this game has a lot more in category with titles that almost force you to be in a co-op scenario like Left 4 Dead, like Vermintide. I'm sure there's a slew of others as well. But it has the skin of games that don't necessarily... You don't need to play Gears of War with a friend. You don't need to play the Halo games with a friend. Well, you can't play them in uh, co-op anymore, the later uh, editions of it. But you do need to do that with Left 4 Dead. You do need to do that with Vermintide. You do need to do that with Army of Two. And... It's a hell of a lot of fun. Again, the game was £1.49, and we had a lot more enjoyment than that. We played it in one sitting. It was never... It was only tedious... It was only tedious a couple of times, but I'd say a big thumbs up and a big recommendation, really, especially if you're looking for some cheap fun. Yeah, if you've got a friend who you'd like to go around the house of and play a video game for an evening or a day, yeah good choice so how did this game sell army of two sold well enough that it spawned two sequels it didn't light the world on fire i think ea were expecting a little bit more from it but it did sell well um again they wouldn't have put money into the franchise again if it hadn't have done as well as it did but did the game review well well, this this game got the reviews that we sort of started this podcast to uh, talk about games of. It got pretty universally between 70 and 80%. Yeah, it's a Metacritic of 74 on PS3, 72 on Xbox 360. Most publications seem to have given it about that. Um, Edge magazine really didn't like it. Yeah, they gave it a 4 out of 10, which I think we both sort of expected to line up with our feelings, yeah. but no, we are definitely in the uh, we we're definitely in the 7 out of 10 category. Yes, it's a pretty solid 7 out of 10 game. Again, £1.49, you can't really go wrong with that. So, like we just said, it did have two sequels. It did have two sequels. It had uh, The 40th Deer, Army of Two, The 40th Deer, which follows on from Army of Two. It had The Devil's Cartel, which was released in March of 2013 to the 360 and PS3. So, this was very much a um, 
a 360 PS3 uh, franchise. The 40th Day, which is the direct sequel to Army of Two, it did have a PSP version, and when we eventually get around to playing the 40th Day, we will try the PSP version. I've got PSP upstairs. It's a weird one because there isn't much story to this game, but sometimes characters get introduced as if you've met them before. That was because this game had a um, a comic book that was... Uh, it had a graphic novel and a comic miniseries. EA around this time were really trying to go into that mixed media, multimedia approach. They did that with Mass Effect, if you remember. So characters would be introduced in Mass Effect and storylines would be introduced in Mass Effect that you'd only know about or get more info on if you went out and purchased comic books or novels, which I don't know how you feel about it. I, I, I'm not into expanded universe stuff that is required reading. I don't mind expanded universe stuff, but I'd prefer if games were like a pretty self-contained story. Yeah, if there was a comic book series, which was the fun adventures of Rios and Salem... And they went and got into some scripts and there was a reference here and there, then absolutely fine. If you want more of this, then go for it. It's not cool when that is required reading, when you have to read those things in order to understand what's going on in your then $50 video game. This game was supposed to have a lot more content. It was supposed to have big vehicle sections with a Jeep and with a tank. The hovercraft that was used was supposed to be in there a lot more as well. So there was going to be a lot more a lot more here to play with, but it was cut down. And you can tell, you can tell in the game when you're playing it, the areas where they jump into the they jump into a vehicle. It's like, okay, well this was supposed to be a vehicle sequence, but then they just magically get out of the vehicle. Or they land on the water in the hovercraft, but then magically they're on land. You can tell quite clearly that things have been cut out. There's also supposed to be a lot more customization in the game. Um, however, again, a lot of it was cut down. So customization really comes down to just adding bits and pieces to your gun or making it pimped, which is to make it golden. <laughs> yeah, it makes it gold and have a sort of filigree texture that you won't be, ever be able to see in-game. Yeah, because gold things in this game just tend to be brown. <laughs> so, James, what kind of sausage would Army of Two be? So, you know Iceland, the supermarket, not the country? Yeah. So, you know, you go to Iceland and you buy some things and you expect them to be the absolute worst one of that that they can sell definitely the supermarket and not the country yeah yeah uh that you can sell legally okay so you've gone to iceland and you've got a big party coming up and you want a lot of cocktail sausages okay yeah so you get a lot of frozen iceland cocktail sausages and you thaw them out and cook them and they were all right they're pretty nice actually that was the experience of playing this game. <laughs> so, <laughs> your experience of playing Army of Two was being slightly inebriated in a place you didn't want to be, eating their frozen slop, and going, oh, this is all right. 
listening, you can contact us on Twitter at BangersPod. Or you can email us on our Gmail account at BangersPodcast at gmail.com. Bye bye. bye.